Well, hello there. I can't hear you. Nope, I can't hear you at all. What is going on with my mic? My mic don't sound there, nice. Yo, 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 yo. There you go. <laughs> my mic sound nice. Check one. Check one. My mic sound nice. Check two. Check two. So what's good? What's going on? Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Chatting with Country. I have Mr. Sadan Long on the line with us, and we don't know what to call it. We're just about to be talking. <laughs> we back, we back. <laughs> so what's good? How was today? Today was a beautiful, wonderful, and productive day. How about you? Yeah, same. You know, I kind of woke up with the attitude of it was going to be a good day. And that's kind of what happened. You know, opened the front door and I'm a girl and all, but, you know, I got a little shrinkage. It was about two degrees outside when I opened that door this morning. <laughs> I don't want to shrink, but... <laughs> But it was a it was a good day. I could not complain. I can't. Yeah, episode of girls and boys is what we need to have. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. so you know we we've been discussing a couple of topics and stuff like that, and so um, we kind of threw some questions around, and I'm ready for some discussion. I hear you've been. Um, compiling your stuff over there so you you ready you good to go huh oh we're in the people business so we always are hard at work so absolutely <laughs> so let's see i don't even know where to start um but one of the questions was are women too focused on stereotypes instead of dealing with each relationship individually Hmm. And so I, I I gave just a little bit of thought to that, right? Because it just all depends on the type of woman, you know, someone is dealing with, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because it's just a certain maturity level that a person has to contain to be able to distinguish between what they're looking for. Um it's sad that some females are looking for what they see on TV, you know, as opposed to actually digging deep on the inside, trying to see the person for who they are that way. That makes sense? Well, absolutely. Um, I use a term called fairy tale culture. And what fairy tale culture is, is exactly what you're saying. People who've been taught, you know, based on their childhood, you know, the whole every woman's going to have a house and she's going to have a wonderful husband. You know, they, they're fans of romance movies. You know, they're fans of the whole I'm a princess. I should be treated a certain way culture. Yeah. And I think when you're a part of that culture, you know, not all women, but the women who are part of that culture, because obviously every woman's raised differently, but the women mm -hmm. who have been raised that way, they walk into it very closed minded because to them, 
there are either men who fit the culture or men who don't. Right. You know, so if you fit the culture, then okay, you went to college, you're educated, you're well-read, you're well-groomed, you believe in God. And it literally starts to become this list of things that you're supposed to have. He tall, dark, and handsome. You know, those are the things. And within that fairy tale culture, you know, there are lots of women who go to church and they get that fairy tale culture reinforced with, you know, girl, tell God exactly what you want. Mm. So when you're telling God exactly what you want, are you saying, I want a man that I'm going to have to learn? <laughs> are you saying that I want a man that I'm going to have to become a safe space for, that I'm going to have to be contrite and honorable with so that he will then feel safe enough to be honest with me and fair with me? Or are you saying, you know, give me somebody who's the man of my dreams and in their dreams, Nobody argues with you. Nobody disagrees with you in your dreams. Hmm. Who disagrees with you in your dreams? Right. You know, so if I get the man of my dreams, he's not going to be combative. He's going to be agreeable. He's going to take me on dates. He's going to take me on trips. He's going to pay for everything. Now, is that realistic in today's economy? It doesn't seem like it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we post COVID. So post-COVID, people who got laid off, salary freezes, furloughs, you know, pay cuts. It's going down. You know, true unemployment isn't as high, but salaries are at an all-time low. So but don't worry, unemployment will be back up because once those severance pays is gone and everybody getting it's about to hit the fan real quick. Well, not only that, but that's how you stop inflation. You know, so if people keep buying, then the price keeps going up. And the only way to stop consumers from consuming is to take away their income. You know, same way we stimulated it to keep it from dying. Now we're going to have to slow it down so that you don't keep walking into the grocery store and milk is $6 a gallon. Right. You know, eggs are $4 a gallon. I mean, $4 for a dozen. So to keep it from. You know, I pay $7 up here. <laughs> right. Mm. But. But the only way to get that to go down is to mess with people's jobs. Because you know, think about it. If I know I could get $7, I'm charging $7. Yeah. You know, but if the economy starts to slow, which is, you know, kind of that recession thing they're talking about. If the economy starts to slow, then prices have to come back in line. So now prices have to come down a little bit because people aren't able to buy. And when prices come down a little bit, then things start to even out. You know, but with that being said, most people do not compare their relationship to the economy. Because in the fairy tale, the economy <laughs> does not affect their relationship. Right. You know, every other man could be employed, but not the man that I prayed for. So with those things in place, I don't necessarily know if they're stereotypes as much as it's just the culture that we've been raised in. You know, that you know, as a man, you're supposed to protect and provide. And there's never been any differentiation or distinction between which women get provision and protection and which women don't. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, there's never been that, okay, well, 
you might not get the same things as the next woman. And here's why. Yeah, but you know, you shouldn't get the same thing as the next person, you know, unless you're dating the same person again. You know, each and every body, each individual is different. And, you know, no matter what relationship you're in or whatever, you know, you're not going to be the same person in that relationship. But know? that's not what people are taught. People are taught that men are supposed to do this and women are supposed to do that. You know, mm. that's just their gender role. What we don't teach is that everything is a negotiation and you get what you negotiate. Yeah. You know, that one woman might be able to negotiate staying at home and a man paying all her bills. And that same man might date a different woman and that woman might not be able to negotiate that. You know, that it is literally a case by case basis. You know, but we're not taught that way. We're taught that this is what men are supposed to do. So you could be the most evil, mean, ugliest acting, judgmental, cold hearted woman on the planet. But then you expect the man to be romantic. You know, you could be the most masculine, bossy, you know, snake-tongued ass woman, but then you expect him to talk sweet to you because that's what men are supposed to do. You know, not that men who look at women who they admire and are inspired by and who they have a great deal of respect for and who remind them of something that they're fond of, you know, something familiar, something familial, you know, something that I recognize in that woman that reminds me of me or reminds me of someone that I love. You know, she reminds me of grandma. She reminds me of my auntie. She reminds me of my third grade teacher. You know, because that's what I'm protecting when I protect you. I'm protecting that thing in you that is familiar to me. You know, she like family. You know. So, in, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say in that familiar space, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, we, I'm going to include myself in that. We always want to know, like, why, why is it, you know, with, with some males, they open up and then when, with, with other males, they close down, different things like that, you know, and I know that it's situational and, you know, trauma and different things like that, but how can a female kind of, become that person that a guy can just come home and open up to. Okay. Well, when you want someone to open up to you, the easiest thing for you to do is open up to them. You know, so if you want someone to trust you with their emotions, their fears, their secrets, tell them yours. You know, and if you aren't able to tell them yours, then you need to reevaluate that situation and say, well, if I can't share my deepest, why would I expect them to share theirs? Um, number two, you can actually listen and be interested. Um, one thing that I teach, you know, both in business and, you know, when I'm counseling clients is tell me more. You know, so if I am talking and I am making a point and you do want me to share, just shut up. <laughs> and say, well, tell me more. You know, oh, that seems really interesting. You know, so how did that happen? And now what you're doing is you're giving the person the room and the space to tell their story. You know, now, number three, 
is don't weaponize it or internalize. Mm-hmm. Weaponize and internalize. And a lot of us, people will be telling their story. People will be telling their trauma. People will be telling what's happened to them. And then the other person will all of a sudden be like, but I don't do that. <laughs> and it's like, okay, but you're internalizing something that I'm telling about my past. You know, you're internalizing, you're making something that I am saying about a other situation. Now you're comparing it to our situation. So now I don't do that. I don't talk to you like that. When in reality, that internalization now is causing you to weaponize what I just said and use it against me. Right. Now, I mean, you want someone to open up to you, but then if you now turn around and say, well, you know, that's why you don't know who your daddy is. Now you broke trust. You know, and I get it. You felt disrespected, minimized, misrecognized. And in that moment, you reverted to something that you knew would hurt them as much as they hurt you. Yeah, I got to hurt you back. Yeah, but now you broke trust. And I get once you calm down and your heart rate calm down, you know, and you come back from your blackout that you're going to act like nothing ever happened. But that other person is now going to say, oh, can't trust you with nothing. You know, the fourth thing you can do it's not gossip about other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you come home, you tell everybody else's secrets. Why do you think I'm going to now open up to you? Because I know things that I shouldn't know about other people. And you know what grandma said. <laughs> if they talking about somebody else's business to you, they probably talking about your business to somebody else. Yeah, but I think that all, you know, what what's a secret, right? But then if you're coming home to your mate, mm-hmm. you should be able to come home and share with him or her, you know, whatever. Like, that's your safe space, supposedly, mm-hmm. right? That's your safe space. That's where you're supposed to be able to come and converse about whatever, Yeah, but you have to become familial first. You know, we have to be like family first. But if we can't make it through small little secrets, like, you know, I really like my cousin, Sean. (laughs) Then how do we get to big secrets? Like, you know, that's not really my brother because my mama slept with the man next door. You know, how do we get the big secrets like, you know, my daddy used to crawl into bed with me. If we can't get to a point where we're family, where we are unified and aligned in our goals, because if there's no alignment there, then we're not on the same path. And a lot of times when we go back to this whole fairytale culture in the fairytale culture, you're not looking for men that you can emotionally bond with. You're looking for men who will take you on dates, men who will buy you a house, men who will buy you a car, men who look very good and are attractive and who make love to you like a porn star. None of your prayers were to find someone who you could find common ground with and develop a bond and develop a friendship where you would have to be vulnerable in order to get vulnerability back in return. That wasn't in your prayer. That wasn't in your upbringing. Unfortunately, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, we come from very economically challenged environments. And in those environments, grandma was saying, don't get nobody that can't do nothing for you. Am I wrong? No, you're you're right. I feel bad because I know of a a, a young lady where, you know, 
growing up, she was told that her beauty was it. You know, right. use use that face to go out here and get whatever it is you can get. And now it's like when it's coming down to real stuff, you know, you don't know what to do, you know, because that beauty is fading. So now what do you have, you know? All right. My face card ain't never declined. Yeah. You know, and when you're young in relationships, you know, men are working with way more testosterone. They're working with way more um, lust than you are. You know, you're desired, I mean, both chemically and physically for that man. Because, hey, I haven't had sex. Sex seems exciting. I want to have it bad. You know, but now you're a man and, you know, you make less testosterone. You make less nitric oxide. You're getting older. You know, you've had sex a few thousand times. Now you start to count the cost. A few thousand times. <laughs> well, maybe some of us have sex a few thousand times. Jesus. I mean, hell. I mean, oh, if, if you God. had sex a hundred times in a three 165 day year, you know, that's once every three days. Mm, mm, mm. So in 10 close. years, that's a thousand times. In 20 years, that's a couple thousand times. I mean, that's just once every three days. Oh, you know, and if you're young, hell, how many young kids are having sex two, three times a day mm, if they mm, can? Mm. So mathematically, it works. Maybe not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> But that works. Maybe not for everybody, um, but you know. But again, it, it ain't new to you no more. Right. You know, it ain't new to you no more. And now you starting to look at things a little bit differently as a man. You know, so if I'm 45, and in my case, I'm 51, you know, but if I'm 45, it's not as important to me that you're a Coke bottle model it's important to me that you somebody I can get along with just somebody that you know is not gonna derail my plans for retirement you're somebody that I want to be aligned with financially emotionally physically socially you know so if we come into a situation that the negotiations are overwhelmingly in your favor you know I got to pay all the bills I got to accept you and your kids and your grandkids you know I got to be your emotional support dog and in return, you know, you're going to feed me and depending on how you feel, have sex with me and never be there for me emotionally. And if I cease to do any of the things that you said I was supposed to do, then you're going to withhold your nurturing. And do I'm, me have emotions? I think men do have emotions. I just think they're not readily available to every woman. You know, I bet that men who have relationships with friend, or shall I say men who have friendships or relationships where the friendly, familiar space has been created have emotions. You know, I mean, think about your homeboy. You know, your homeboy, his mama died, he cried. Your homeboy somebody's man. It's just that he your homeboy, so you a safe space for him. You know, your homeboy could call you, tell you he lost his job three days before he tell his girlfriend because you ain't going to trip. You know, your homeboy could call you and borrow money from you because you ain't going to trip. You the homie. 
You're still a female, but you're the homie. But the thing about the homie is that the homie is familiar. The homie feels like family. You know, the homie reminds me of people that I have love and respect for. People that treated me well. People that I was able to, to bond and connect with. Which is why for the homie, both man and woman, I go to the airport at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> for the homie, I let them use my car. You know, for the homie, you know, we could sit up all night and you could tell me whatever happened. Yeah. But we can't do that in our relationships because our relationships are transactional. Is what what can you do for me? You know, I don't date no broke man. You know, if you ain't taking me on a date, i.e. buying my time and attention, I don't even want to know you. So, yes, men do have emotions. They just do not have emotion for people who they're in transactional relationships with, who that familiar, familial bond is not there. You know, I can't really roll up to your house, you know, bumping Freddie Gibbs, uh, bumping Jeezy, because you're going to say, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe you listen to that music. So now I got to turn down and not be who I am. Whereas when we were home girl together, we put the little baby on or we put, you know, whichever one of them littles or babies on and we rock out. You know, I could play throw babies with the home girl in the car and she don't get offended. I play throw babies with my baby mama in the car, my girlfriend. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe that. So then why not date the home girl? Because y'all don't want to date the homeboy. Y'all gonna put him in the friend zone. That's just my friend. I think guys do it too, though. Mm. I think guys do it more. Guys do it more to me, you know, than anything. I get a lot of guys that be like, "Nah, I just you just gotta be my 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 homegirl, my sister, my any kind of title, you know." And it's more so a thing of. Like, I guess they feel like they can't hurt me. And that does hurt me to, because it's almost like a, a rejection type deal. Like, I love you so much that I can't date you, but I'm going to keep you so close to me. You know, like, I feel like that's BS because it hurt on the inside. Well, but I think that those are very tough conversations. You know, I mean, honestly, I think that's a really tough conversation because most people don't have enough good friends. So because of what we've been taught, you know, that romance and friendship don't mix, <laughs> then it becomes. I'd rather be your friend. I don't, you know, you know, right. you know yeah, I'll be I hear all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I hear, but it ain't fair. But I think that those are just real conversations. It's like, because a lot of times people on both sides, I mean, women, you know, they don't like being friends on, you know, no more than men do. But the reality, especially in situations like mine, you know, I'm going to take my time and get to know you. You know, so what feels like friend zoning you really is more about me trying to figure out who you are, figure out what your real intentions are, you know, looking at, you know, your habits. You know, so that I can now make a decision about being with you or not being with you. You know, see, it's easy to turn romance on and off because hell, once you know what a person like, you just do what they like. 
but it's hard to really get to know a person because most people, again, they part of the fairy tale culture and they want to, to play a role that is very similar to what they see in television. You know, they want to have the candlelight and the romance and all those things. So it becomes a situation of, I'd rather be this version of myself that I think you're going to like than my true self. You know, I mean, you meet a girl, she cool, she the homie, you know, and now when do you get to see her feminine side? You know, you meet a guy, he listens, he's kind, you know, when do you get to see his masculine side? And if you don't see his masculine side right away or what you consider to be masculine, does that mean he's not a candidate for your heart? You know, we just have to learn how to be more transparent in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, I like you. I want to get to know you. Let's take our time. And if it goes somewhere cool, if it don't go nowhere, no problem. But we don't do that. You know, we want to either A, go real, real fast and play with our emotions and be, you know, hopped up on dopamine. <laughs> like, oh, my God, this was so wonderful. This was so beautiful. We. Or we want to bear our soul, but once we bear our soul and we cease to be the person that we pretend to be to people, then we don't feel as sexy. We don't feel as desirable because now they know our truth. I mean, think about it. When you go on a date, not necessarily you, but typically, we're going to put on fake hair. We're going to put on fake eyelashes. We're going to put on makeup. We're going to put on shapers. We're going to put on push-up bras. We're going to put on our best outfit. Might even have to borrow a handbag. So when that person sees that version of you, what part of that is really you? He going to go get a haircut. He going to get the little little, little dye and the little highlighters make his line and stand out and, you know, knock out some grays. He going to get his car washed. He going to put on his best outfit. He don't normally be that fat. He ain't never that fat. He normally got on sweats. <laughs> he normally wearing baseball hats. But tonight he got on a, a whole overcoat. So now neither one of you are being the person that you really are. So if neither one of us is being the person that we really are, and then we go on a date and we talk about all these aspirational things and use words that we normally don't use, you know, talking about your dreams and talking about, you know, how wonderful this job is that you hate and, you know, this degree that you ain't used. (laughs) What part of that's the real you? You know, so... Again, you know, we're we're buying into the fairy tale culture and acting like a, a character as opposed to getting to know people and judging them by the content of their character. You, know, you can't tell a person a whole bunch of lies and then expect them to love you because they don't know you. Right. Everybody get along with their baby daddy on the first date. <laughs> you know, everybody kids good on the first date. You know, ain't nobody yelling at their kids on them first few phone calls. 
You know, you posted up in the room with the door locked. You know, somebody come in the room, you putting your finger up like, I'm on the phone. You know? mm-hmm. So how am I getting to know the real you? You know, because the you that I'm going to have to be with yells at their kids, cusses out their baby daddy, <laughs> you know, can't stand their mama. That's the real you. You know, the real me, you know what I'm saying? Most of the time I got, you know, McDonald's rappers and stuff in my car because I always be running like work. <laughs> you know, the real me got a few gray hairs. You know, the real so me. why do you feel like people are afraid to show that part of them? Because they think they're going to be judged. They think it in some way diminishes them because we're looking for fairy tales. No. We're looking for fairy tales. We're looking for, you know, something. So then you find that person, you know, that's not the fairy tale that's actually fitting the narrative. And then you're afraid to to seal or lock in the bag, you know. What, like, is it past experience creating this fear, you know? Well, here's the thing. There are five things that, that make a happy relationship. Five. All right. Let's see. Number, first one. Number one, you have to find another person somewhat attractive. Now, you might not have to think that they're interested, but you do need to find them attractive because you're going to have to look at that person. So you got to be able to say, okay, she cute or he cute. You know, maybe not the cutest I've ever seen, but there's some level of attraction there. You mean like cute? Okay. Level of attraction. Level of attraction. Cute, cute off of, Okay. 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 So then next there has to be romance. Okay. Now, romance is a tricky thing because there are people that you're attracted to. I feel like I'm in one of your classes, first of all. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I need to be uh seeing my index cards. Yeah. Okay. So romance is a tricky thing because there are people that you're attracted to, but once they open their mouth, kind of hard to be romantic with them. <laughs> Mm. You know, there are people who don't have the emotional intelligence to know when to turn down or when to relax. So we go on a romantic date to a nice restaurant and you don't know how to talk to the waitress. You know, or we go out and you don't know how to eat properly. So romance is is a tricky thing. You know, are you complaining? Oh, my God, it's too cold in here (laughs) when I'm trying to be romantic. You know, so there has to be attraction, some level, you know, there has to be some level of our ability to have a romantic evening. And then, you know, the next thing there has to be, you know, intimacy, you know, which goes back to what we were saying before, you know, about whether or not I can trust you with my heart, you know, because most of the time people weaponize the things you tell them, they get their feelings hurt. And then they take everything that you ever told them and they put it out there to everybody. I mean, think about it. Man, dick small, you telling it. He come too quick, you telling it. You know, he like a finger in the butt, you telling it. Back in my head. So now, you know, you get mad at him, you black out. But then once you come back from your little blackout, you expect him to forgive you and act like nothing ever happened. You know, blackout meaning just like 
you know, get so mad where you just like yapping out, saying yeah. whatever it is you feel like you want to say, and then you yeah calm down and okay. And I didn't mean that. I'm sorry, but now trust is broken. You know, so that's going to ruin our intimacy because I can't share with you. You know, if I can't share with you because you're going to judge me, how are we going to to build something that we both can be comfortable with? You know, I mean, even from a sexual standpoint, hell, you might want to, you know, get choked or, you know, you might want him to do something that, you know, you feel like he going to judge you about, you know. Like, well, if I tell him I like that, then he gonna think I'm a whore. So we have to be able to to let our walls down and, and, and find common ground where we could trust one another. You know, number four, it got to make sense. And, you know, alignment is really important. So when I say it makes sense, it got to make sense. You know, if you know you're not trying to be nobody's stepdaddy, stop dating girls that got kids. <laughs> if you know that you don't want to be a stepmama, Stop dating dudes that got kids or at least dudes that got young kids or women that got young kids. If you know you ain't signing up for that, don't do it. You know, if you know that you dating a woman and she wants you to go to church every Sunday and you ain't with to going to church, don't date her. You know, if you spend your money frugally and she a tricker, don't date her. You know, because the only thing that's going to happen when you have a happy person and an unhappy person or a thrifty person and a person that spends their money is that one person is going to constantly be upset. You know, you out here, you working hard and she's spending it fast as you get it. You're going to constantly be upset. You know, if you want to take a vacation and she's like, well, I got to go get my grandkids. You're going to be upset. So does it make sense? You know, but so many times, you know, and I get it. You know, if you haven't been on the date in a while, you know, you haven't had a holla holla, you know, you might be like, well, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. But then when it don't work, then now you start saying that you settled. <laughs> so yeah. it's a double edged sword. So just that ain't what you want. Don't do it. You know, if you want to hold out for tall, dark and handsome you know, that makes six figures, then sit your ass at home and wait for tall, dark, and handsome with six figures. You know, but don't date the dude that make $50,000 a year and you're going to give him grief every day. You know, because a lot of times what we call settling is people who couldn't get what they wanted. <laughs> you didn't settle. You never could get that thing. You know, that was never available to you. So you're not settling. You know, you know, this is what you could get. Well, you could come to terms with the fact that Joe Holla only good enough to get you this or stay at home until you get what you want. Mm -hmm. But it got to make sense. You know, and then we talked about that whole, you know, familial and familiar thing. That's that's a real thing. You know, I'm not protecting somebody that I don't like. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm not protecting somebody I don't respect that does not inspire me. If you're talking crazy to me, I'm not protecting you. you know, if I'm talking crazy to you, you're not going to nurture me. You're not going to love me. You're not going to do anything to bring me peace. You know, but now if I remind you of your daddy, yeah, you might take my damn shoes off when I come home from work. You know, if I remind you of your favorite uncle, you know, you might make me that banana pudding. 
If I remind you of my favorite cousin, hell, we might dance around the house with our socks on, you know, listening to old school Biggie. You know, creating memories. You know, because it's familiar. I feel comfortable here. I could be myself here. But if I can't be myself, then how can I protect you and love you? you know, if you don't allow me to be myself, why do I care if you wait? Mm-hmm. Mean nothing to me. You you a stranger. <laughs> Depart from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You going now? You see what I'm saying? So those things have to be in place, and you can tell if they are or they aren't just when you start to talk to a person. You know, if all they're talking about is transactional stuff, like you know, he took me on a date, or he good looking, or he worked here, or she worked there, or she thick as hell, that has nothing to do with the person. That's all stuff that could change, you know. And as we get older and people's health starts to deteriorate, what you end up seeing is people saying, I didn't sign up for this. You know, now you met the dude, he was working all the overtime. You know, every time you said, hey, I think we need to get a deck, he went work 16 doubles. You know, I want to get new curtains, he went work 16 doubles. You know, he went and did whatever he had to do to make sure that the family had everything they needed. But now, but once, go ahead. Once, once you've locked into this relationship, what are some things you would tell the listeners like to, to stay in it, like communication or expectations and, you know, expectations and life age, you're, you're constantly evolving Right. So what are some things you would tell the listeners about staying in a relationship? Because, you know, we want to talk all of this stuff. And a lot of people don't know. Grandparents didn't share a lot of things. And some households, you know, they, they kind of did. But in some, you know, they didn't. Well, here's the thing. People talk about submitting all the time. You are not submitting to the person. You are submitting to the common goal. So people think I'm supposed to submit to my husband, my husband's supposed to submit to me. No, what you're supposed to do is supposed to submit to a way of life. So if our goal is to have all of our needs met and money in the bank, then we need to stay on task. (laughs) You know, we need to not break code. We need to occasionally sit down and make sure that we're on task, you know, because the reason I'm cooking for you is so that you can be strong to go to work tomorrow so we can stay on task. <laughs> you know, the reason that I'm making sure that you have all the things that you need in this house is so that the house can remain in peace so that I can sleep good at night and you can sleep good at night because you're not worried about whether or not something's going to get turned off so we can stay on task. But where there's no vision, the people perish. You know, there's a translation that says, well, there's no business. The people cast off restraint. You know, that's my favorite one. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, is where we don't have a vision for our life, then there is no way for us to stay on task. You know, if our goal, like for me, you know, I'm a huge fan of old couples in the park. You know, I love to see old couples out walking together. I love to see them, you know, active. And in their right mind, you know, sitting down, you know, having little cups of yogurt or see them having an early dinner, you know, 
or seeing them, you know, on vacation together. I love that. Mm-hmm. Me too. You know, but the thing is, we have to be committed to good health in order to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so now the person who's in charge of our nutrition needs to be like, okay, cool. We need to stay on task so that we can both be healthy. You know, and the person who's not in charge of nutrition has to also stay on task and not be off sneaking to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. and not be off you know ordering you know icy coffees between two and six you know so yeah. that's what you're submitting to like yeah i really want to have you know this big mac supersized with an icy coke but you know our goal is to be you know healthy in our old age you know i really want to stun on my homegirl and get this bad you know but we're trying to pay off our house you know, I really want to show these dudes I'm that dude and go get this brand new Hemi. But, you know, we're trying to get, you know, our retirement up to, you know. What's two, a Hemi? It's a truck. It's like a Dodge Charger or any of those chargers that have like these really big motors in them, for lack of a better way to put it. You know, but, you know, it's checking your ego. You know, you got to check the ego and, and submit to the plan. You know, I get that you want new outfits. I get that he want a new car. I get that y'all want a bigger TV, you know, but you got to be as committed to that as he is so that you guys can stay on task, you know, and the same thing goes for how you talk to one another, mm-hmm. you know, and the thing is when you have that familiar and familial bond, now you start giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, see, when you get into it with your homegirl, in most cases, not all, but, you know, uh, most of the time you get into it with your homegirl, tell me if I'm wrong, you give her the benefit of the doubt. You know, she ain't, she ain't mean to do that. She ain't mean to say that. You know, you defend her. Like, man, y'all don't know her like I know her. You know, she just been going through, you know, because her mama's sick. So now you give her grace. Mm-hmm. But the same people that would give grace to their friends, if they don't have that familiar and familial bond in their relationship, will immediately say, he out here messing around. You know, he don't answer his phone. He must be with another chick. I was just kind of saying um, something like that to somebody else earlier. You know, you, you, you have friends and you can get into it with your friends and be right back. Cool. But when it comes down to your relationship, your household, you know, you stay mad and and that's ridiculous to me because that same grace that you give your friend, that should be in the household to me first. You know, you should be able to talk through it and treat it as such, you know, just to, um, this is your home, your sanctuary, your peace, your safe space, right? Right. And so you should be trying to do everything you can to make sure it stay that way. Because how is it you can go out with a friend and y'all dog each other out, but then, you know, 10 minutes later, y'all right back. Who I just, I ain't never felt that. Well, if again, let's just go right back to this whole fairy tale culture. And you know, again, you know, pray for what you want. <laughs> you know, nobody is praying for another human being that they have to grow together with, that they have to transform into one person with. Our prayers are transactional, you know, even with God, 
you know, nobody's saying, God, you know, how do we get closer? How do I better understand you? How do I better align with your goals? You saying, God, I need you to pour out blessings in abundance. You know, you claiming territories, you know, enlarge my territory, give me a promotion, bring me a man. That's all transactional stuff. You know, so if everything in your relationship is transactional, you know, i.e., if you treat me a certain way, I'll treat you a certain way. You know, when that person stops treating you that way, now you don't feel obligated. You know, but again, if it is familiar and it is familial, now you're giving that person the benefit of the doubt because you could have a homeboy, his car could be down, and you and your homegirl and your other homeboy will be taking him to work every day. Why? Because y'all like brothers and sisters. Why? Because y'all got each other's back. It ain't got nothing to do with money. But then you're puffing and puffing because you got to take your better half to work. Exactly. Yeah, okay. But what happens in them situations is what? Every person who has ever raised you is like, girl, don't let him use you. Don't let him take advantage of you like that. You know, don't be out here doing stuff for somebody that can't do nothing for you. But then them the same people that have borrowed a thousand dollars from you because we family. Right. <laughs> so really a lot of us have been misled by our family members. And because we don't date people who align with what we value and we don't have that familiar bond we don't have that level of respect for the person as a human being then it just becomes a game of get me before i get you you know i mean think about it when your friend calls you and says hey girl let's go get something to eat you don't say you ain't going unless they paying because you enjoy company you enjoy their company but if a man says, let's go get something to eat, now he has to buy your time and attention, which makes that man wonder whether or not you really enjoy his company. Now, I mean, people know me. I'm notorious to say the hell with dates. If I got a date, you, I don't want you. It might sound weird, but the reality is, is most men we look at dates like this. I meet you out. If the vibe is right, then everything just flows. But if the vibe ain't right, now I really, really want you. So let me buy you a drink. Okay, cool. So now I bought you a drink. Okay. Now, if I don't get what I want and the vibe ain't right, now I double down and I say, well, why aren't you going to let me take you out? Okay. So now... If I still don't get what I want, now I double down again and say, well, when are we going to go out again? But the whole time, I know that if I keep giving you these dates and these drinks and these experiences, that I'm eventually going to get what I want. That I was just so confused. I had to try to put all of this stuff together. Say that again. Okay. If I keep giving you these dates, these drinks, and these experiences, I'm eventually going to get what I want. So I am not going out with you because I like you. I'm going out with you because I know that if I continue to go out with you, I'm eventually going to get what I want. Mm. And if you are the type of person that most women unfortunately have become, 
or more women than we would like, which are women who basically are transactional. Like I'm only messing with dudes that got money. I'm only messing with dudes that take me out. I'm only messing with dudes that trick. I don't mess with no broke dudes. Now dudes who have money realize that, hey, all I got to do is give her what she wants. She won't give me what I want. And then when I get tired of getting what I want, I'm just going to move on to the next one. Because that money don't mean nothing to me. Now, what's $100 if I got hundreds of dollars? In my head, I'm just like, it's almost one of them things where I would hope that stuff is mutual and people wouldn't have to do all that. But I guess in the real world, you know, that's what's being done or you wouldn't be talking about it. I'm just so... But if it's mutual, mutual, then I don't have to do all that. Right, right. If it's women, if it's a dude that woman like, he ain't got to take her on no date. Right. If she really liked that man, she going to be them pulled up at his job with a Pepsi, two Polishes, and a large fry. Girl, you know he got to work today, so I'm going to go and bring him some lunch. Right. That's what women do with men they like. That's, that's all I'm saying. So I, like. I was confused, and I've been sitting here trying to just process everything, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, but when they don't like you, they make you jump through hoops. They call it giving you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance to take me out. I'm going to give you a chance to win me over. I'm going to give you a chance to romance me. There's somebody that's really just like going to laugh at me um, <laughs> in this moment, but, you know, it's okay. Everybody that know me know that I could be a little slower than others, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I don't really like you, so I'm going to let you buy me this drink and keep talking. But if I really like you, you ain't got to buy me no drink because the conversation keep flowing. Without the drinks. If you really like me, I could say, hey, meet me up at the at the park. We're going to go for a walk, get our workout on, and you're going to show up. But if you don't really like me and you feel like you're settling, then now I got to take you out on a date. And men are smart enough to realize that when you're making them jump through all these hoops and you're making him buy your time and attention, that you don't really rock with him like that. But where it gets confused for women is that they don't realize that men will still sleep with you, <laughs> even if they know you ain't really rocking with them like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the body count, 3,000, a few thousand people later, I mean. <laughs> but again, if you're looking for this fairy tale, if you're looking for this person who's going to agree with you, men have figured out. All I got to do is gas her up because if I gas her up, that's what she's been praying for anyway. You know, she's been praying for somebody who thinks she's just so beautiful and so interesting and so wonderful. So since she's become a narcissist, I'm going to let her be a narcissist. Because if she really liked me, she wouldn't put me through all this. If she really liked me, we wouldn't have to go out to a five-star restaurant. Because if she really liked me, we could go get some yogurt. Because she liked me. Now, that doesn't mean that once we develop a bond, that five-star restaurants ain't in your future, that vacations ain't in your future. But if you come through the door asking for this stuff, how does that say you like me? You know, If you're never doing anything going out of your way in any way, shape, or form, how does that say you like me? 
You ain't showing up with the two polishes and the large fry with the Pepsi. How does that say you like me? You, know, you ain't said, no, nah, you got the last couple of days. I got this one. How does that say you like me? You know? So if all you're doing is taking in the relationship and all the conversations are about what's going on with you on your job and all the conversations about what's going on with you in your life, how does that say you like me? Right. How are you supposed to get me to open up if all you do is talk about you? So how do you feel about men going to therapy? I think it's healthy. You're a human being. All human beings need to find a place where they can find some clarity and understand it. I think you should keep it to yourself as a man. I don't think that you should be running around telling everybody. I think you should just do the work quietly. You know, because again, it's about you and your mental health and your well-being. So the last thing you need to do is go around broadcasting it to everybody. Keep it on the humble. And once the changes are made, people will notice. I mean, there are people who went to therapy that never told me they went to therapy, but through their conversation, they speak therapy. <laughs> so you get it. Yeah. But I think that, again, it is something that in the wrong hands can be weaponized against you. You know, and I think that that is a huge problem that we don't make people earn our trust and we overshare with too many different people who haven't earned our trust. And then for whatever reason, they turn around and they weaponize it against us because they don't really have a bond with us to the point where they care about us. That familial part has not been you know, cemented in our relationship. Or if it has, they have such a poor relationship with their own families that even though you remind me of family, I'm reminded of something negative, not positive. You know, but there has to be the love for that person. There has to be, you know, someone that you are inspired by. You know, someone that you find interesting because someone you're inspired by and you find interesting and they find you inspiring and interesting y'all could talk for hours you know, but if you just went with me because I buy you nice things and take you on dates then we can't talk for hours because we ain't got nothing to talk about other than when we going out again and if we can't talk we can't share and if we can't share then we can't build trust and if we can't build trust then how's somebody going to open up It's hard, but simple. Mm-hmm. You know? But again, the fairy tale culture does not discuss any of that. You know, you go to church, you pray for the man to be just like this. And if he is not just like that, then he ain't from God. You know, because we never look at ourselves and say, well, maybe I do need to be challenged. Maybe I do need to be stretched. You know, maybe I do need to get out my comfort zone. You know, maybe I do need to stop looking at, you know, my mate as, you know, a sexual object or an ATM and start looking at them as a human being. You know, maybe I do need to look at more than her face card, you know, and and start giving her credit for the strong, intelligent, resilient woman that she is. You know, 
but we don't move like that. You know, you tell your girls you met a guy, oh girl, where he work, how he look. That's transactional. Ain't nobody talking about he was kind. You know, girl, I was standing over there and little girl fell and he picked the little girl up and he got down on his knee and looked her eye to eye. Ain't nobody talking about that type of stuff. So if you had to give a, a definition to fairy tale culture, what's your definition? Fairy tale culture is literally the belief that you are entitled to this wonderful, beautiful life just because you exist. You know, that you're supposed to get married, that you're supposed to have lavish dates and vacations. Without the work? Without any work. Okay. You know, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> you know, this is what men are supposed to do. I'm a woman, so as a man, he's supposed to take me on dates. Well, who told you that? Well, that's what happens in the fairy tales. <laughs> you know, so that's what fairy tale culture is. It It is this, you know, all this stuff that we've been raised with, but nobody's giving you the interpersonal skills or emotional intelligence necessary to pull it off. You know, again, to go way back to the beginning, you said, well, how do you get a man to open up? And I said, by opening up. You know, so if you want someone to feel close to you, you allow them in. But if you don't trust them enough to allow them in, why do you expect them to now trust you? you know, a lot of this stuff is really about you. Like, I want somebody to tell me everything about them so I feel safer. But I don't want to take any risks. <laughs> I don't want to deal with any rejection. I don't want to deal with the possibility that somebody could weaponize my secrets to tell anybody else. You know, but if I reach my hand out and they put their hand in my hand, now we're building trust together. But if it's a person you can't trust, hey, then stop trying to get them to open up to you because you don't, you're not going to open up to them. And if you don't open up to them and they don't open up to you, there's no way to have a relationship. You have a story. Well, two different thoughts came to mind. But you have a, a story that you talk about. Um, what is six, the 6 a.m.? 6 a.m. story. All right. Well, here, here's the 6 a.m. Woman I have a great deal of respect for and care about very deeply. Um, used to be involved in a relationship with. And we first started dating. I worked typically nine to five, 10 to six. And I would usually go to the gym. And then some nights I would get off at eight. So usually I would get home about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. And I call her, you know, like most people doing there in a relationship. And she'd be in the bed. And probably about 8.15, 8.30, she'd fall asleep on the phone. So we really didn't get a chance to talk. And at that time, I didn't work for myself. So I wasn't able to talk as much during the day. So really didn't get a chance to talk a lot. But the reason she would fall asleep at the time that she did is because she worked out before she went to work. And she had to be at work at 6. So she had to work out, which she was very religious about. 
And after working out, you know, she had to get her hair curled and, you know, just right. So her appearance was good for her to go to work. And usually about six o'clock, she would sit down, have a cup of coffee, decompress. And then she would leave for work about 6.20 to get to work at 6.30. So what I realized is that the only time that we were really going to be able to talk was in the morning. So what I started doing is I started getting up a little bit before six. So just as she would finish curling her hair and sit down to have her morning coffee, the phone would ring and it would be me. And we talk. She'd be in a good mood. I'd be in a good mood. We had really good conversations. You know, I talked to her on her way to work. And then what I would do is I would get up, get dressed, and either start working on a book that I was writing at the time, or I'd go to the gym. You know, but the reason I did it is because I wanted to be in relationship with that person. So if the only way for our relationship to work was that I made an adjustment, then I was willing to make that adjustment. You know, and I honestly, till this day, would say she made me a much better man. Um, she made me a much better human being. She made me somebody who ultimately was able to start getting up at 430 in the morning so I could finish my book, which is ultimately now led to me running my own company and basically doing whatever I want with my day because I've been able to make a living doing what I love. You know, but it all started because I had so much respect for her and I did not in any way, shape or form want her to compromise her working out because she felt very strongly about it. You know, so I got in why fit in. Mm. You know, and that's what to me what love looks like. Love is like, okay, I love you enough to get up at six in the morning so we could talk. Instead of trying to get you to stay up past eight and then struggle to get up and keep your workouts going. You know, so you have to say, you know, does this person love me enough or do I love them enough to do something that makes me uncomfortable? for the sake of our relationship? You know, do I love them enough to diet? You know, if they really care about their health, do I love them enough to care about mine? You know, cause one thing I always say is either you're gonna run with that person or you're gonna get run off on. Mm. You know, and a lot of times people don't want to put in the work necessary to be with the person they say they want to be with because that work requires them doing something different. You know, it requires you learning how to communicate better. You know, it requires you to heal some of your past traumas. It requires that you take your future more seriously. You know, that you stop calling off and being at work, being lazy because we're trying to build something, you know, and most people just, they really not up for it. You know, they don't like their job. They're going to go do the bare minimum. So they're never going to get promoted, which means that they're never going to really be able to contribute to the household like they should. And that's holding the household back. But yet they like the benefits of being part of a relationship so much that they'll continue to be in the relationship, even though they kill another person in the process. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, if you're going to be with somebody who's serious, 
like you say you want in most cases, you know, you want somebody mature and adult and responsible, then you got to be able to match that, you know, that equally yoked that we talk about, you know, and not just from a verbal standpoint, but from the way you live your life, you know, the type of character you have, the type of effort you have. You, know, you can't tell somebody that you want to be in a relationship with them. And then when it comes time for the wedding, you ain't say no money. You know, you can't be in a relationship with them because you ain't taking care of your past issues with your credit. You know, and a lot of times I think realistically people self-sabotage these relationships because they know they got so many things in their closet that they don't want to come out. You, know, you got people telling folks they want to get married and they still married to somebody else. You, know, you want to get married and you, you know, you've been tricking and flossing and taking her out, but now you ain't really got no money saved up to buy no house. You ain't got no money to save up to buy no ring. So what's the best thing to do? Just go and blow it up. So now instead of getting married, you cheat on her to hide the fact that you ain't really been doing the right things with your finances. You know, she say, you know, she don't think this going to work because she's scared that you're going to see her credit score is 425. <laughs> so now she break up with you. Look, I am telling it all. I am an open, <laughs> open book. I do not want nothing to come hunt me down the street. That is for sure. But that's what we talk about being open and honest with other people. That's why you have to have that you know, familial, familiar relationship. I think that's what makes me end up with a bunch of friends because it, you know, I don't know if people not used to the realness of it all, you know, and it's just like, well, yeah, you just stay over the country. Well, you just, <laughs> you just by yourself, by yourself. But right honest, radical honesty requires radical honesty in return. And most people are not willing to be radically honest. So when you are radically honest, they're like, oh, oh, oh I'm about to tell them my business. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they back up. So now we could just be cool. We could just be friends. You know, I could just slide through on you, you know, because ain't no real responsibility to slide through on you because you ain't my woman. You ain't my wife. So it don't matter if my credit score 425. It don't matter if I ain't got no money in the bank. You know, I want just enough relationship to feel like I'm in one but not enough to be responsible. So, yeah, I can see why if you're radically honest that that other person would now be like, okay, cool, let me back up because I'm not really willing to do the things necessary to meet you halfway. You always say, put your eggs in more than one basket. Why do you say that? Ah, absolutely. I mean, you need to date. You need to get to know people. You need to enjoy life instead of putting all the pressure for your happiness on one person. You know, that way you will have the opportunity to get to know them and you will see whether or not they like you enough to want you to stop dating other people. You know, because now that person can say, hey, but if you want me to slow down, here's what I need from you. If you want me to stop dating these other people, here's what I need to be monogamous. So now we can have a conversation. Now we can negotiate. 
Now, now, if you want me to stop dating other people, then, you know, I need to be in a relationship that I know is going to lead to marriage. And you know, that is still so heartbreaking for me. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, all the eggs in different baskets is just like, how? How do people have time to juggle? You know what I'm saying? All of that. You got to remember the stories that you said to the people. And oh, it, to me, it just ain't worth it. It's just no, like, you just gotta be, You got to be radically honest. So extra. You got to be radically honest. Radically honest puts you in the friend zone. Okay, but is it better to be in the friend zone with somebody who realistically wasn't going to be a good opportunity for you anyway? Or is it better to find out two years down the line that this person wasn't going to be a good opportunity for you? I understand. Yeah, I mean, you have to put yourself in the best position possible to get what you want. And the best way to get what you want is to maintain leverage. And the only leverage you have is your ability to date other people. Because once you decide to be monogamous, now you're cheating <laughs> in most people's eyes. You know, once you decide to get married. But that's how I look at it, period, though. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you. Well, I guess if you're dating, you're just dating. You ain't in a relationship. I think all of these, these terms is like, ugh. Right? So you're dating and then you're in a relationship, but then people still end up dating inside a relationship because you really ain't made it official. Like, it's just too much going on. Well, again, you know, we'll go back to fairy tale culture. In the fairy tale, you know, people think everything just happens organically, you know, that we're just gonna be aligned. You know, but that again, it assumes that everybody you meet is just like you. But in reality, most people aren't. Some people were raised in two family super parent households. Some people were raised with siblings. Some people were raised without siblings. Some people were raised with their grandmothers. Some people were raised without their grandmothers. Some people's daddies was whole. Some people's daddies was good men. You know, we all have different, especially now, ways of seeing life. And just because we're both African-American does not mean that we were raised the same, does not mean that our values are the same, does not mean that our work ethic is the same. So, yeah, you might have met a guy and, you know, y'all was dancing and heard it all before and you was like, oh, that used to be my jam. So now it's something about him that feels familiar. But you haven't gotten to know him well enough to see more about how he thinks, more about how he acts, more about how he lives. You know, all you really learned is superficial stuff. So now you're saying that you want to make a life-altering decision about somebody you don't really know. You don't really know what he's like at the beginning of the month when he got to pay bills. You need to get to know a person a while. Pay attention. Okay, it's the first of the month. He buying J's. Hmm. Does he have that kind of money? Or does he not pay his bills? You, know, you need to get to know him long enough for him to stop, you know, washing his car and cleaning it out before every day so that you can really see that he eating McDonald's and drinking and driving because it's a Hennessy bottle in the backseat. Because, again, fairytale culture is going to have two people playing a role. He's going to be Mr. Right. You're going to be the sexy, you know, intelligent, wise, career woman. 
you know, it's going to be like a scene from Hitch. You know, he going to have on his best outfits. You going to have on your best outfits, even if you got to borrow them. You know, so you have to be in the game with somebody long enough to get them to let down their guard. But if you rush in and you are too damn determined to be in a relationship that you overlook all the things necessary to be in place for you to make a good decision, then you may make the bad decision. Or you just kind of roll in the dice. Like, well, I hope I just Lord, I just hope it all work out. You know, you ain't met nobody in his family for real. You know, y'all ain't talked about your life goals. Y'all ain't talked about, you know, none of the things that would even give you an indicator if he doing more than just talking. But now you're making a life altering the decision. You know, you cutting off every other dude who may have interest in you without having enough information. You know, and if that dude really like you and he don't want you dating them other dudes, then he going to say, hey, <laughs> let's have a talk. And now he's forced to be contrite. He's forced to be honest. Why? Because he doesn't want you dating other dudes. So he got to put his cards on the table. Okay, Because if he don't put his cards on the table, I'm going to tell a dude I'm going to go to the movies with him tomorrow. You know, if you don't start revealing some of this stuff, I got questions about, you know, I'm going to take a vacation with Todd. That don't mean I'm sleeping with Todd. It just means Todd wanted to go to Seattle and I was cool with it. I could have got my own room, but I'm going to be in Seattle. Looking at the Space Needle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause now I have leverage. You know, but if I have no leverage because I've committed too quick, now this person put me through all kind of hell. And now I'm in, you know, I'm in ride or die mode. But that's my man or that's my woman. You know, I'm too deep in now to get out of a bad situation. So now I'm sentencing myself to a life of misery and hope that that person changes just simply because I move too fast. You know, so I get what you're saying. Like, man, it just feels weird because when we were kids, you know, you meet somebody, I like you, you like me, and then y'all be together for five years. Mm. You know, but at that time, we were learning and growing together. At that time, neither one of us had an education. At that time, neither one of us had any money. At that time, neither one of us had anything to lose. You know, but now as you become an adult, you know, now you're talking about bringing somebody around your kids that you don't really know. How does that work? You know, now you're talking about, you know, intermingling your finances with somebody you don't really know. Now you talk about putting your health in the hands of somebody you don't really know. People got divorced during COVID because that was the first time they ever really had to be stuck in the house with each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. This is crazy. I didn't even realize that she was like this. Mm. Because you have not done enough research. And of course, everybody wants you to go. 
because in fairy tale culture, that's what happens. You meet them, you go on a few dates, they fall in love with your representative and all of her shapers and eyelashes and wigs, <laughs> and they marry her. And then they figure out she ain't got no money and I got a whole bunch of student loan debt. Then they figure out that she wear lace fronts all the time and that realistically all her baby hairs is gone. Mm, mm, mm. No. It's and, funny. I hear y'all, y'all men are always <laughs> going in on the lashes and the lace fronts and the etc. So like is it overkill or like do most men just prefer ladies to just be themselves or well, like it's what a, is it? It's like marrying a clown. <laughs> mm. If you if would you marry the clown at the circus? Do you know what the clown at the circus look like without the makeup? Mm-mm. Okay. So if I've never seen you without your makeup, eyelashes, weaves, and wigs, who am I dating? No, same thing, you know, like me. I'm in really good shape for my age. But my hair is gray. You know, well, my beard is gray. My hair is a little salt and pepper. But again, mm-hmm. now I go out and I dye all of this. I look 10, 12 years younger, easily. So now I walk around telling some woman I'm 38. <laughs> and then one day she figured out I'm 51. How does that work? We out on dates. You know, I look like your daddy. We're really, we the same age or close Mm -hmm. to the same age. How does that work? Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't keep yourself up. But what I am saying is that you in some way, shape or form have to reach a point with that other person where you let them see who you really are. Both emotionally and physically. You know, it's like a man taking Viagra to hide the fact that he has erectile dysfunction when in reality, he also has diabetes. He also has congestive heart failure. He also has high blood pressure. He is also in a state of physical disrepair and falling apart. Yeah, but just talk about that. Just talk about it. But again, you think he healthy because he popping pills. But now what happens when them arteries get blocked and he stops making enough nitric oxide for them pills to work. Now you talking about, I don't want to be no hospice wife. (laughs) Because you feel misled. You feel lied to. Why didn't he tell you that he was on the pill? Why didn't he tell you, you know, that he was having diabetic issues? And now you with a man and they had to cut his leg off. Now you got to wipe his ass. Why didn't anybody say anything? Because we were too busy pretending to be people we weren't. And nobody was asking any questions. Nobody was saying, okay, well, when the last time you had a checkup? Right. You know, I mean, realistically, you know, you got these thick ass women, you know, you're talking about grown ass women weighing 200 pounds, 260 pounds. And they almost 50 or they in their 50s. Have you been checked? What was your A1C? You know, because I can't believe, you know, that you got all this gut. Even if it is, you know, some good loving under it. And you're not at least pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I can't believe you got all these these skin tags on your neck and you're not pre-diabetic. I can't believe that you got all these dark ass toes and you're not pre-diabetic. Oh, no, ain't nothing wrong with me. Now, see, I know what to look for and I'm giving you game. So if you listen to this, you need to rewind that part right there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you sleeping with your mouth open and you snoring like a bear as a grown ass woman that you don't possibly have some signs of pre-diabetes. Okay, so what men should look for? I mean, what should women look for in men? Well, you should look for a man who has to go to the bathroom a lot. Um, if you're a man above the shit, above 37, and you're not very um active, um, you look at men who have large guts, you know, because that gut says that they're probably insulin resistant. Um, men that are having problems keeping it up. Um, you want to look at their toes and look at their legs if there's any kind of swelling. Um, skin tags is a sign that you, you know, that you may be pre-diabetic. Um, anybody who's a mouth breather, you know, because the reason you're snoring, you know, you have these apneas, you know, is primarily because you're a mouth breather. So anybody who's going to bed and then waking up choking. You know, which I used to be one of those people, you know, and a lot of these things I'm telling you are things that happened to me. And that's why I'm able to really tell you about them now. Um, You need to get them to a doctor. You know, or if you can't get them to a doctor, then you need to be honest with them. Say, hey, man, I'm not signing up, you know, to be willing nobody around. (laughs) And either you go go get checked up or I'm going to check out. You know, because as we get older as men, we're going to make less testosterone. You know, as we get older as men, you know, the things that we needed to grow. We don't need them anymore. You know. Again, to go from 21 inches to six foot three. I need a lot of growth hormone. I need a lot of testosterone. I need a lot of nitric oxide. Now. The benefit of that testosterone, nitric oxide, and growth hormone is erections out of this world. Because when I'm 17, about 25, my arteries are typically not as clogged as they are at 40. So I got a car doing 1,000 miles an hour (laughs) on a clear street. So ain't nothing keeping that blood from getting to my penis. But now as I get to be older and I'm eating two, three, four, five meals a day, spiking my insulin levels, my pancreas is, is like, man, we can't keep up with all this junk you eat. So now I become insulin resistant. You know, insulin can't break it down and now I become type two diabetic. So those are things you want to look at. And if that person doesn't have a conversation with you and explain to you their health you know, um, process or how they stay healthy or what they're doing to stay healthy, then you need to question it. You know, again, especially if your goal is to be them two people sitting, you know, in the park eating frozen yogurt. You know, them two people on vacation together when they retire. You know, if your goal is to still have sex, you know, after a certain age. <laughs> 
you know, you got to look at this stuff. You know, don't just be so thirsty to have a dude that the first, you know, fat guy in a fly car that want to take you out on a date, you going. And that's the only reason you going is because he taking you out. You know, but if you really care about that person, then you do need to be not only checking their health, but checking your health and being inspiring. You know, like not in a condescending way, but in like, man, I'm serious about this. I'm trying to drop 20 this year. I'm trying to get my A1C down. I'm trying to get my blood pressure regulated and then let them see you doing it. You know, same way you said you wanted them to open up. It's the same way you get them to work out harder. You know, not by judging them, but by being disciplined. And if you don't inspire them and they're not getting in line with you and they're not walking with you, then you run off on them. You know, you stay so dedicated that either they're going to get with you or they're going to get gone. You know, because nobody is going to want to be in a space that you're in if they're not progressing and making progress too. You know, don't nobody want to be talking to me. People hate talking to me. <laughs> yeah, because what you do? Oh, man, I'm about to, you know, about to get my run in. <sighs> there you go, that run is Yeah. Why? Because it shines a mirror. It shines a light. It makes them feel some kind of way. You know, you know, you're like, what are you doing? Oh, man, you know, I'm fasting. What are you doing? Oh, man, you don't eat one meal a day. Now, all of these things, you know, it shines a light on other people. And either it inspires them to do better, you know, and then some of my friends, it, man, it really does inspire them to do better. Just like some of my friends inspired me to do better. You know, I run in the wintertime because I have a friend that hikes. And one morning we were FaceTiming and she had on her little vest with her hood and, you know, her scully and her scarf. And I'm like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I'm about to get my hike on. I'm like, why you got on all that? She's like, because it's like 28 degrees. <laughs> oh, so you can hike in 28 degree weather? Yeah, it gets a little cold as you get up the mountain, but yeah, I can hike in 28 degree weather. It's not really as cold as you think. So I started researching it and realized that, oh man, once my body starts moving, it's going to feel like 68 degrees. So I started buying stuff to help my body stay warm when I run, like neoprene vest to wear under, you know, my base layer. And then now you see me running with a hoodie on a base layer and a neoprene vest. You think, oh man, you gotta be cold. Like, no, I'm not. Cause I got a layer under a layer. And then once I start moving, my body temperature raises. But I learned that from somebody who was more disciplined than me. You know, so if you wanna save your household and you want this situation to work, be true to it. Don't be pointing the finger at somebody else talking about, you know, you need to get yourself together. You need to open up to me as though you're perfect. Take the opposite approach. Open up to them. (coughs) Take the opposite approach. Take the lead and be the one who is doing the right things and let that person be inspired by you. Let that person be an admirer of you and your character. You know, I got up at six o'clock in the morning because I was not only was I in love, but I was inspired. I was like, wow, shorty's serious with it. How can I get some of that over here? You know, the way she kept her house made me keep my house cleaner. The way she kept her car made me keep my car cleaner. Not because she made me, but because, man, her standard was high. So 
be a better woman, be a better man. And people who really are supposed to be in your life will be inspired by it. And the people that aren't will be repelled. The light going to cast out darkness. Mm-hmm. Is that a real mm-hmm? mm-hmm. That, no, that's that a, mm-hmm? no, no, that's a mm-hmm. Light, light will cast out darkness. Was that an amen over there? Yeah, that was a that was an amen. Like that, you amen. know, that's the true thing. Well, amen. Hallelujah. Like you know, amen. praise the Lord, saints. I just throw it all out there, just put it all out there. But yeah, you know, um, I don't know. A lot of valid information as always. Um, you bring great conversation every time I sit and talk with you. And the and, but I, I didn't really say anything. <laughs> well, these are not the only conversations we have, True Trick. <laughs> like, I really didn't say nothing because you know what? The with all of the questions, and I really I feel like I we you discussed all of the ones that we had previously. Um wrote down so that was really good you went ahead and flowed and I didn't even really have to ask the questions so you must have really did your homework (laughs) (laughs) but again I'm in the people business so I mean you know part of my business is is writing so in order for me to write I need to understand what people are going through so I think part of that is because that's what I do for a living. But any other part is I've lived a lot of this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? and I don't want people to go through what I've gone through. I want people to be healthy. You know, because I know what it feels like when as a man, you know, it's like you're invisible. You know, you're a man, you know, you're invisible, you know, because you're not six foot three and you're not muscular and you're not, you know, in the nicest car. I know what that feels like. So you're a man who mm-hmm. feels, who felt invisible, right? Yeah. And say it was somebody reaching out to you while you were feeling invincible, but that person wasn't up to what your standards were and, and you rejected that person, Right. Do you ever have the thought of, well, maybe I should have gave it a try to see like where this would end up or like maybe y'all could have grown together, uh, whatever. Well, see, that's a tricky thing, you know, because if you meet someone at your lower point, you know, maybe not your lowest point, but at your lower point, now when you ascend from that point, is that somebody who's willing to go with you? Is that somebody who can only love you in your lowest point? You know, cause I think a lot of times people do want to date someone who has broken wings. You know, they want to date somebody who don't have their stuff together because it's easier, you know, because now as a man, you can say, don't nobody want you but me, you know, as a woman, you feel like, you know, Ain't nobody going to take them from you. You know, you don't have to compete. You don't have to improve because they can't get anybody else. So a lot of times I really do think that people don't want to date 
the person who has aspirations, the person who is um, moving forward. You know, I think they want that good enough. You know, like this is good enough for me. You know, this is safe for me because my experience is, you know, I've been on both sides of the coin. I mean, I've been a hot boy, you know, who was popular and in the streets and drove fast cars and all of that. And then I've been the corporate dude who gained a whole bunch of weight. And the only way he was getting dates is if he was taking chicks out, you know, that he had to buy drinks and he had to be charismatic and he had to be entertaining and he had to be funny and he had to take them to nice restaurants because that was the only way he was going to get the dates. But then I've also been the dude who, you know, who runs outside in the summertime, you know, with tank tops on and people who blow at me and stop and they flirt with me. <laughs> so I know that in all those different stages, people treat you different. And a lot of times it makes women uncomfortable to be in a room and everybody's looking at their boyfriend. It makes them uncomfortable to be in a room and other men are attracted to their girlfriend. So to answer your question, I would say that there's nobody I really look at and say I would have given a chance to because I was moving. And if they were moving while I was moving, then I wouldn't have had to give them a chance because they would have been going the same direction I was going. You know, but I know that there are some people, honestly, and this is my personal experience, that they like that version of me because that version didn't require them to be any more than what they were. But now if you're a woman who has to now compete with other women for that attention and affection, it may make you uncomfortable. No, he lost a hundred pounds and now he out there in the streets and he looked good and girls like, Oh my God, girl, who is that? Now you got to figure out how you're going to deal with that. Are you going to lose a hundred pounds so y'all could be together and be bonded and have something that both of y'all went to or went through to keep y'all tight? Or are you going to be the one who lets him lose a hundred pounds? And then now he got to consciously try to make a decision every day on whether or not he want to come home to somebody who not in alignment with the same things that he in alignment with. You know, I mean, pretty women got to do it every day. You know, they got to, you know, <laughs> what men say, I got to fight to prove I love, you know. So now you're a beautiful woman. You're getting all these dudes with money and, and stuff to holler at you, but your boyfriend broke. You got to make a conscious decision every day to go home to that broke man. So, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting situation. And I think the only thing we really can do is is try to figure out how we can transform and line up together. You know, can we really get on the same page with our physical fitness, get on the same page with our finances? Same page with our emotional growth. You know, do we both need to go see a therapist? <laughs> you no, know, so, that's real talk. So that we can keep, we can stay on task. You know, because we're not submitting to each other. We're submitting to the task. And part of making sure that we reach our goal is helping and supporting each other. You know, our goal is to is to make a certain amount of money. So, yeah, you're going to take the back while I get this CDL. You know, our goal is to make a certain amount of money. I'm going to take the back while you get your real estate license. You 
you know, and then I'm gonna be recommending people to you so you can sell them houses. And then we're gonna take that money, and then we're gonna get our own little two flats and three flats, and then we're gonna glow up and blow up. You're gonna be selling real estate, I'm gonna be driving trucks. You know, but now what we're doing is supporting each other so that we can reach our goal. You know, this ain't about you making me no plates. I make you a plate because I know you need to eat so you can go to bed, get up in the morning and get on this truck. You know, I'm going to go and take the kids today so you can go and go show these houses. <laughs> you know, we have a plan. We have a goal. You know, and we're submitting to that plan and we're putting our egos to the side. You know, this ain't about who make a plate. You know, but in real life, if I love you enough, yeah, I will make you a plate around your people. <laughs> you know, if you love me enough, you will buy me a drink at the bar when I'm around my boys. Because ain't no ego involved. You know. That's my man, them his guys. Yeah, I'm going to be hugging all along. I'm going to be bringing him another drink because I want him to look like that man in front of his guys. Yeah, that's my wife. I love her. You know, we go out. I'm going to go and buy a round of drinks for her little raggedy-ass girlfriends so she look like that man. So she look like the woman and I look like that man. You know, but whatever it is, we working on it together. You know, but if you can't, be honest and transparent with that person how do you get to that point like people want that but they don't want to be honest and transparent mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like like you want that you know ride or die rock solid person but they don't know nothing about the real you all they ever seen is lace fronts and the makeup they don't know nothing about the alopecia or none of that <laughs> mm -hmm. you know again you know what I'm saying? You want a man to be transparent with you, but you ain't telling them nothing about you. How does that work? I mean, in order to have a person like there's, let me get, I'm, we've been on here for a while, but I'm, I might as well don't go here since we're here. Okay. okay. There's empathy. There's sympathy. And there's compassion. In our communities, we are sympathetic. We are very seldom empathetic or compassionate. You know, sympathy is poor little you. I feel so sorry for you. Empathy is, man, that must be hard because I know if it was me, I'd be losing my mind. Okay, So now if I put myself in your shoes, and I'm saying, man, it must be hard for me. If it's me, then it must be hard for you. So now I'm less likely to judge you. you know, because I put myself in your shoes. You know, what would I have done if I found out my wife was cheating? Yeah, if I, if I was me, I probably would have did the same thing. Dog. So now I'm less likely to judge you. You know, as opposed to poor little you. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Why that woman cheat on you? You must have did something. You know, sympathy, judgment. And then the other one is compassion. You know, compassion is it must be hard. You know, I don't know how, you know, 
because I've never been in that situation. But I imagine, you know, having to decide between, you know, your job and your family is hard. You know, I imagine that, you know, trying to take care of a child that ain't yours is hard. You know, not you stupid. And I don't understand that. It don't make no sense. You know, because again, in fairy tale culture, everything is black and white. But in real life, not so much. You know, in real life, you know, you have to kind of take a minute and sit back and be like, well, what? That was me. Mm-hmm. You know, so now again, you say I come home from a hard day's work. Don't want to come home to somebody who is empathetic. You know, who knows what it's like to go to a job they don't really like. You know, but to keep doing it every day because that's the only way we're going to eat. You know, do I come home to somebody who's compassionate? Who's like, man, it got to be hell getting up every day and, and going out there and having to deliver that mail. And it's like 10 degrees out there. Okay. It got to be hard as hell, girl. I, um, so I'm going to go and make him some, some stew to make it a little bit easier on him. Uh, or am I coming home to somebody going to say, I don't care what your stupid ass. Ain't nobody tell you to get that job. You know, so what are you doing? I mean, are you making people feel stupid because you're saying things like, well, I just don't understand. Because if you just don't understand, then you don't have the ability to be empathetic because empathetic means that I could understand by putting myself in that situation. You know, I don't understand. It's impossible for you to be compassionate because compassion requires that you understand that, hey, man, there are things about this that I may not understand. (laughs) So I'm not going to jump out there and say you stupid. You know, I'm not going to jump out there and call you lazy. I'm not going to jump out there with a whole bunch of reckless judgmental stuff. Or a bunch of pity, you know, poor little you. You know, or that's why you need to go back to school. You know, or that's why you shouldn't have never been with him in the first place. Or you done for letting him borrow your car anyway. Or, you know, you're not going to get a person to open up like that. Now, you might get a person to open up. You say, man, I get it. (laughs) That's your son. You know, you want your son to have the best. So, hell, you got you went on and got him the car. I get it. I probably would have done the same thing. And unfortunately he wrecked it. So now we just got to figure out how to deal with it. Now, so what do you think we should do? Now that person gets the chance to say, well, I don't really know. What do you think we should do? See now ain't no big you little I. Now we on equal footing. You know, now I'm giving you an opportunity to to share. Um, I'm making you feel safe because I'm not breathing down your neck, telling you how dumb you are. You know? So now it's easier for me to have a civil conversation. It's easier for me to have a respectful conversation because now I feel safer. You know, so again, it, it is compassion, empathy versus sympathy versus judgment you know, versus somebody trying to fix it. 
You know, because when you try to fix it, you're saying, I can't fix it. So if you want to fix and control everything, then what do you think about me? And then now, if you want to fix and control everything and I start letting you control everything, then you get exhausted and then you say, I don't do nothing. <laughs> well, I got to do everything. No, really, you don't. You choose to do everything. And I got tired of arguing with you over it. So I just started letting you do it. And now you burnt yourself out. So again, if you want somebody to open up to you, I, I say it starts with being compassionate, starts with being empathetic, starts with being kind, you know, and careful in your words. It also starts with you being able to open up yourself. Because people feel more obliged to open up when you say something about you. you know, like when I started talking about all the diabetes stuff, and I was like, man, this is stuff I've been through. You know, so I'm not over here playing perfect. You know, I felt invisible. So now what's more likely to happen? Somebody else be like, yeah, dog, I get it. Man, I be feeling the same way. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I can relate. Right. Because relationship, the root of that is to relate. Mm-hmm. So how can you be in relationship with somebody you can't relate to? Mm-hmm. I.e. familiar and familiar. So, but I mean, I really hope that this helps somebody, you know, I know this was a little bit longer. Maybe we got to chop it into, you know, two parts or whatever, so people can digest it, you know, but definitely, man, I want to see people happy. And part of being happy is being honest. You know, Hey, let me, let me work on me. And while you're working on you, you know, maybe you'll be able to be attractive enough to enough people, you know, that you can start to date and you can start to, to find somebody that you can relate to and that you can start to align yourself with and have common goals and, and having the type of effort that allows you to meet those common goals. You know, and you can then kind of move away from fairy tale culture, you know, where you just go and you pray for six foot three, tall, dark, and handsome who always agree with you. And <laughs> never and never and never does anything wrong and always takes out the trash and always cuts the grass. <laughs> You know, it's so sad, though, you know, that people really feel like relationships are supposed to be this perfect world, right? It's not going to always be butterflies and lilies, you know, you definitely will go through some stuff. That's the only way to grow. You know, you got to have those challenges in there to keep you together. You got to be uncomfortable to keep you together to get to that comfort zone. And then, you know, when you get to the point where you become complacent and, you know, uncomfortable again, then that just means it's time for to readjust. Yeah, you got to readjust again and and visit it again. Um, But you got to revisit those goals. I mean, mean, again, you're not submitting to another person. You're submitting to a goal. You know, know. always be, you know, coming back to the drawing board. Can't just let it go. You got to be open. I like that. You got to be open and honest. Yeah. 
but it's relatable for stuff to to be able to work. But we got to be agreed. You know, we have to be agreed in order for us to be agreed and be aligned. You know, it says two can't walk together unless they be agreed. You know, we got to be walking in the same direction. We got to be committed to being lockstep. You know, and if one of us gets off task, <laughs> now we got to figure out how to get back on task and how to get that other person back on task. Yeah. You know, because if all of a sudden your ego gets involved and you like, well, Carol got a new car and she was talking slick, like, well, you know, I just can't keep riding around in the same old car. And now I took it personal. So now I'm all, you know, in your grill talking about we need to go get a new car because, you know, I ain't had a new car in like five years. You know, I need to be able to say, now, what's the plan again? And what do we agree to again? You know, right. How's that going to help us, you know, pay off this house? Now, don't nobody care nothing about Carol. <laughs> you know, we paying our house off. You know, and that's something that I realistically learned from a guy I used to work with, you know, because he would always be taking trips. And I was like, man, how are you always taking these trips, bro? And he was like, well, we plan them in advance and our house is paid for. You know, when a lot of my friends were, you know, getting new houses, we didn't. You know, so now a lot of my friends are stuck in these mortgages in their 60s. And money that we would have been spending on mortgages, we are now spending on vacationing. You know, both of our cars are paid for. We got really nice cars that we used and pre-owned and we take care of them and we make sure that we keep up with the maintenance on them. And now we're able to redirect some of that money that we would have spent on cars in a bigger house to vacationing. So we traded some of our, you know, creature comforts in the present for our future. And now our future is here and we're able to enjoy it you know, go out and have a nice meal if we want to, where our friends are stuck still trying to work. You know, so I've seen what it looks like when people stick to the script. Mm-hmm. I saw what it looked like when my cousin and his wife, you know, he had a Cadillac and she had an Infinity truck and they got rid of them both and were driving around in a minivan for like four years. And then, you know, all of a sudden they popped up with a house, with a pool, a bunch of properties, you know, and a couple benzes. You know, so I know what it looked like when people agree. You know, when people agree, man, it's lit. Because now, you know, one cast a thousand, but two, ten thousand. <laughs> so now we got two people working together. Mm-hmm. Now God got something he can bless. But if you're coming into the situation wanting somebody who's already done all the work, and thinking they're going to give you more than you deserve for work you haven't done, how does that work? It don't. <laughs> no. But if you help build it, even if you get divorced, you get your fair share. No, you walk away with half. <laughs> you know, but if you didn't help build it, you know, typically that person who has built it, they like, yeah, go and sign this prenup. You know, so that you don't get what so that you don't get an opportunity to walk away with more than you've earned. Now, as long as you're with me, you got total access. But as soon as you get to tripping and you got to go, this is all you get to leave with. 
So again, I mean, this is really about the type of character you want to have as a human being. You know, there is like I don't have a trick a man in to give you everything you want plan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have a here's how to control a man plan. I don't. You know, I can tell you, you know, hey, if you're a respectable human being and you deal with people, you know, in an honest and transparent way, and you're very clear about your actions, that some people are going to gravitate toward that and some people aren't. And you have to be patient enough to sift through them and love yourself enough not to make a bad decision too quick. I can do that. Well, it sounds like you need to be working on um, the fairy tale culture book. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Hey, fairy tale culture is deep. Well, okay. You may have part one, two, three, because we ain't breaking this up. It's just going to be a part one. You don't need to explain it up. You know, you get some people that like them long, they like them short, they go back and listen to them you know, pause and do whatever they got to do. So as far as this, you know, this cast, we good, but sound like you need a part one, part two with your book. Well, I mean, I got a lot of stuff in the works. I mean, you know, if you go to groundrich.com, you know, you'll see what I do. Yeah, go on, tell them what you're doing. (laughs) Well, um, if you go to groundrich.com, I am Sadan Long of Sadan Long Solutions, solving all your marketing problems. Um, Groundrich.com is a website that I also run where we teach you how to Take advantage of your name, image, and likeness, um, especially if you're an adult of a certain age, because obviously you lived a long time and there's something that you know how to do that you can monetize. <laughs> so we teach you how to build your products. We teach you how to get your customers. And we teach you how to make your money. Um, and that comes in all forms. Podcast, it comes in the form of books. It comes in online programs. So any of that stuff. We have full service, um, i.e. from creating products, ghostwriting, um, getting books published and printed and all those things. You can just go to growingrich.com, you know, and you can follow me on all social media. I am Sadon Long. That is S-A-D-O-N, Long, L-O-N-G. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you're somebody of a certain age and you feel like, man, you know, I know how to make cornbread better than the average man. <laughs> hey, we can turn it into a book, you know. Nine different ways to make cornbread, you know, for people who don't know how to make cornbread. You know, um, if you are somebody who's really good, you know, at at life in general, I mean, whether it be dating, whether it be nutrition, you know, you can monetize that, you know, because that's essentially what I did. I had a nine to five for a very long time and I kept getting fired and I kept getting passed over for promotions and downsized and all those different things and then finally i decided i would write my own book tell my own story um the book's called god wants you to dominate um it's available on amazon um it's been number one in seven different categories in three different countries i think yeah three at least three i know canada russia and the united states so i think that's three it might be more than three but i know at least those three um, they also have another book out currently ghost. No, it's not ghost written. It's actually co-written with Dwayne Ransifer, who's probably one of the richest black men in America. It's called, um, the big picture seeks to being rich from someone who's rich. Um, that's also available on Amazon. So you could just put in S A D O N L O N G and those things should pop up. Um, what else I got going on? Oh, oh, and I'm working on some online courses to teach people some of the other stuff I do. In online marketing with free social media, 
And in that space, you know, I've helped generate probably whew, easily $20 million for clients. You know, I've made help turn companies that were doing, you know, five figures monthly into companies that were doing six and seven figures in a month. So, yeah, check me out. Check them out. And, you know, I also, um, I'm an advisor to some CEOs and industry insiders as well. So if you're a business person who's looking for, you know, a business coach um, or somebody helping with their marketing strategy or how to lead their people in a more effective way, you can reach out to me there as well. You just click in your information. Um, it'll send me an email and I'll reach out to you. All right. So that's well, that's how you get up with me. So I'm assuming that we don't have part two of this. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. It's, again, it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you. Right. Well, I mean, I'm working on a book that I haven't quite gotten finished with yet um, called Superior Sex and, you know, and Great Health. And it's a relationship book for men over, well, 38 and above. Yeah, I was going to say 40-ish, but I feel like 38 was kind of where my journey started. So 38 and above, you know, it talks about our emotional state, our physical state, our financial state. You know, so a lot of the stuff that we talk about here is stuff that I've been working on for the book. So eventually, some point this year, um, I should be done with that and it should be out, you know, in time for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, Stephen King said it is not supposed to take you more than three months to write a book. You're right. It, it, if, if I was just writing a book, it probably wouldn't take me more. Than three months. <laughs> <laughs> um, but right now, we are also working on how to turn free social media into cold hard cash, which is an online program um, documenting all the things that I do in that space. Um, as well and we're also working on like perfect pricing they got a lot going on that's just his way of saying why you over here talking sugar honey iced tea mm -hmm. you know i am busy here <laughs> lady right. Right. oh and i got clients too so. <laughs> <laughs> I got clients too by the way yeah so. but no so, I mean, it's all i mean i love it all and i wish you know I could get it all done in, in a timely enough fashion, but unfortunately I haven't worked hard enough, I guess, to do that as of yet. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll be real honest about it. Sometimes, you know, when you call your own shots, you just start taking vacation. You know, wow. but if that's what you're really trying to get to as a human being, where you can call your own shots, and even if you, you know, are a little bit behind on some of your projects, you can still live a quality life, then hey, holla at me. <laughs> I'll just go back to the, I'm grateful that I was able to get a time slot in your very productive um, timeline of life. <laughs> I'm glad to be able to slide in there. And so, Sadat, I thank you again for coming on, talking about fairy tale culture and relationships. Um, and on that note, if you hang in there with me, I'll hang in there with me you. Too. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>